0: Good morning you guys are chipper it's because it's saint patty's day i woke up this morning my son pinched me i mean i got out of bed i didn't have green on and he pinches me right away i'm like what are you doing saint patrick's day that oh oh that's what's going on okay i'm gonna do something cruel but i need you to stand again for the reading of the word of god up down up down up down it's good exercise Matthew 21, verse 18. If you have a Bible, why don't you get there with me? Matthew 21, verse 18. In the morning, as he was returning to the city, he became hungry. And seeing a fig tree by the wayside, he went to it and found nothing on it but only leaves. He said to it, May no fruit ever come from you again, and the fig tree withered at once. When the disciples saw it, they marveled, saying, How did the fig tree wither at once? Jesus answered them, Truly I say to you, if you have faith and do not doubt, you will not only do what has been done to this fig tree, but even even if you say to this mountain, Be taken up and thrown into the sea, it will happen. And whatever you ask in prayer, you will receive if you have faith. This is the reading of the word of God. And God's people said, amen. amen. Grab a seat. Thank you so much. Uh, my name is Jeff. Uh, Jeff Goki. I'm the executive director of Phoenix One. It's this really cool thing where we try to get local churches to work together instead of fighting and really start to get them to love each other. But the whole idea is that we could help re-engage young professionals who are disengaged with the local church. And push them back into the local church. It's been the coolest thing to be a part of. And, uh, but honored to be here this morning. Um, I'd like to say a little something about your pastor. I want to say, to, first of all, to this church, well done. Like, well done, Hillside. You did good. Right? If it, if it was a beauty contest, he would be the hottest girl in the contest. Uh, I've known Aaron uh, for about uh, four years, almost four years, and uh, a man of integrity. I mean, just a great man of integrity who, you know, I've been able to know him longer than most of you, and I've seen the way he's lived out his life and who he is up here and what he talks about. That's who he really is. And I'm so excited for you guys and what God is going to use, uh, how God is going to use Aaron's leadership um, to be able to lead this community. Uh, Really, really excited. And you did well. Good job. And then you're bringing out one of my other best buddies, Brian Rizal, to be your worship guy. And I'm like, man, you guys got the dream team. They're not going to hit, like Rancho's not going to know what to do with you guys. You guys are just going to be all over the place. But amazing guys, amazing leaders. Uh, Well done, Heelside. You did good. You did good. Hey, when... um Patty and I were first married. My wife, we've been married uh, for 14 years. Uh, and the first couple years were kind of crazy. Uh, super poor, didn't have any money. I was going to school full time and working full time. We had a baby in the midst of that, but it wasn't like a yay, a baby. It was like a baby? <laughs> really? <laughs> right? You've been there. Some of you have been there, right? I'm pregnant. Yay! <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> okay. Yeah. It was kind of that kind of thing. Like, we can't afford that. Like, God is good, you know? <laughs> So we have uh, our son Ben, and, and I get my first job as a youth pastor uh, up the road, and, and it's a part-time youth pastor uh, gig, which basically means part-time pay, full-time work, and uh, and then I had to get another job, another part-time job, to kind of offset the cost. Uh, so one day, I'm in the shop, um, I was, I, what I did for my other job was I installed washing machines and laundromats, it was awesome, and... Um, <laughs> And, um, and so I'm in the shop, and my wife calls me, and she says, um, You need to call the bank account. Now, usually, when she would say that, it's like, You need to call the bank account. <laughs> like, it's bad, you know? But she's like, You need to call the bank account. So I call the bank, she gives me a number, and they, you know, it's like the digital thing, and it says, You have $80,100. Now, I know where the 100 came from, that was my hundo. That was all mine, baby. That was all mine. And I was saving it for something really special. Uh, but the 80000 had come from my grandma. She had passed away and she had given us a property. And it was a cool story, but we were able to sell it. And so that money goes into our bank account. And can I tell you, 80000 felt like $5 million dollars right? Like, oh my gosh, we have a ton of money. Now I can stop just looking at things and I can buy things. This is great. This is amazing. And so all of a sudden I got a hole in my pocket, right? I want to start burning through some cash because play has been poor for a long time, right? And so I'm going, man. What can I get? You know, this would be great. And so we thought, well, maybe we'll buy a car. And then my wife, she's super smart, and so she was like, "That's not a good investment. You know, we're gonna lose that money." I'm like, yeah, you're right. You know, but what if we have another kid? We could use a minivan. No, minivans are weird. Okay, we want to get an SUV because that's cool and we're young, right? So we're going through this whole thing. So we ended up purchasing something great. I mean, just to get it out of the way and kind of, you know, we uh, we bought a vacuum cleaner. <coughs> a very, very, very nice vacuum cleaner. We walked into the Oryx store and that baby sucked up a bowling ball, right? The dude was like, check this out. And I was like, I'm in, I'm all in. I want that vacuum cleaner. And the ironic thing is the vacuum cleaner place was right across from the car dealership. So it was kind of like we went, ah, maybe we should go right, (laughs) you know? And we got this, I think it had a 150 year warranty on it. We'll never need another vacuum. We were justifying it. But it felt so good to get that first purchase out of the way like woo all right you know and i think we do the same thing with god when it comes to prayer i really do i think it's just like i just gotta spend it you know i just gotta he's this kind of proverbial genie in a body that, bottle that's just going to answer all the stuff that i toss up in the air and i think we really diminish the power of prayer when we do that when we treat god that way and we when we treat prayer that way You've been going through this series about how Jesus prays. And I think we cheapen it when we treat it that way. Like we just keep swiping it and God, okay, give me what I want. But what happens when he doesn't? What happens when he doesn't give you what you want? And it doesn't work out the way you want. And what if God is trying to teach us something so much deeper about faith and prayer that would fill our soul and line up with the divine, here in our lives and in this world, that we would see thy kingdom come and thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That that's what prayer is about. Not this, give it to me because I want it, because I got a bank account that I'm wanting to spend or whatever that look, a prayer bank account. That prayer is so much more. And I believe and my hope is that as you hear the scriptures this morning, that you come into some sense of conviction and that it changes the way you pray. And it changes the way you approach the almighty God who is both far away but so near to us. He's closer than our heartbeats and he's here with us this morning. And so when we pray, we pray out of relationship with him. So let's do that now. God, we come before you and we know you hear us and we know you're here. We rest in that fact. We rest in the fact that you are good. And that you love us and that you are who you said you would be in our lives and in this world. And we anticipate the day when you continue to fulfill all your promises and we see you face to face and worship you. We just look forward to that day. We pray through the reading of your scripture and through the learning that that you would convict all of our hearts. And that we would follow hard after you as David did. That we would be like a deer that pants for the water. That our souls would long after you. We love you and we thank you that you are good. And thank you for Jesus and his death on the cross that we can come before you and worship a holy God. His name we pray. Church said, amen. Amen. So uh, we're going to dive into Matthew 21, uh, verse 18. So again, if you have your Bible, we're going to camp out there. Uh, but before we do that, <clears throat> I think it's always good to have some context. Like, how did we come to this particular passage in the scriptures? Uh, I think a lot of times we just kind of get in and dig in and go. And I think sometimes it's nice, like, how did we get here? And so I think in order to really do that, we need to go back to Genesis 1. You're like, oh, longest sermon ever, right? You're going to go to Genesis 1. And and, and in Genesis 1, it says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and everything that God created was good, right? God can't help but create good things because he himself is good. In fact, the reason why we have good is because we have God. He is the embodiment of good. So the reason why we have good is because we have God. And so anything that God makes, that God touches, is good because it flows out of who he is. But in Genesis 3, we take what God makes good and we fracture it. We go our own way. We do our own thing. And sin enters our world and sin affects anything, everything and anything. Right? It's it so bad that he floods humanity and he saves one family, Noah. Right? And then he blesses this guy named Abraham. Right? He does this thing called an Abrahamic covenant. He makes a covenant with Abraham and with Israel and he says, I will be your God and you will be my people to go live out of this love relationship so that you will be a light unto the nations. And so the nations would see that you have a almighty God, and you are following hard after him, and he is blessing you, and they would go, I want to know about that God. Like, that's what Israel was supposed to do, but they didn't do that, right? They wouldn't follow it after all the other gods. And as a result of that, the exact same thing that God said would happen in Deuteronomy said, you will go into captivity. And all these terrible things will happen if you choose to not follow me. And that's exactly what happens. So Israel finds themselves in captivity, and the prophets come along, and the prophets go, you need to return back to God. Like that was the plan, that he would be your God and you would be his people, and you're not operating as his people, and you're not being a light unto the nations, and that's why you're in captivity. But they also talked about the one that is to come, the Messiah. The Messiah who will rescue and ransom us out of our stupidity because he knows who we are as a human race. But then we go through a period of time between the Old Testament and New Testament here of 400 years of silence where God doesn't speak. Are you there, God? You ever feel like that? Are you hearing me? Why are you so silent? 400 years. Of silence. And that silence is broken by the angels who say, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace and goodwill towards men. For born today in the city of David is a Savior. His name is Jesus. Emmanuel. God with us. Jesus gets baptized, comes out, and goes on mission to the cross. And his mission is to love people. His mission is to go against the norm. His mission is to be with the sick and the needy. His pulpit is the world. It's not in some synagogue. He goes out and he is with the people and he touches the lame and he spends time with the adulterous woman and he rescues the woman caught in adultery. That is the ministry that he has. It's a relational ministry. And so here we come to Matthew 21, which is actually Palm Sunday, which we'll celebrate next Sunday. So we come to Palm Sunday and they're saying, Hosanna, Hosanna, save us. We believe you're the Messiah, save us. Right? And then Jesus gets done with that and then he goes into the temple and he he sees that these merchants are stealing. They're upcharging people so they can't make an offering before God Almighty. So they're upcharging them so these people can't buy pigeons to make offerings to be right before God. And he flips over the tables and he says, I will not allow anyone to prevent a person from being right before God Almighty. That's why he does that. He flips the tables and he says, everyone should be able to worship. And then in verse 18, you ready for this? He kills a fig tree. Hosanna, Hosanna! Die tree! (laughs) Right? Kind of bizarre, right? Kind of weird. You're reading through scripture and you're like, wait, 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 hold on, hold on. Let me go back. Like, that doesn't make any sense. Why is that there? That makes no sense at all. He's killing a fig tree? For what did the fig tree do? Is Jesus like the tree killer? Is that what he does now? Like, Is that like a thing? Like he heals people and he kills trees? So bizarre. We're all sitting here going, what in the world? What does this have to do with anything? But in true Jesus form, he's trying to teach us something significant. So, Fig trees, here's the interesting thing. Jesus approaches this fig tree, and he's hungry. And he walks up to this tree, and he, he sees leaves. So it's this tree that's flourishing, and he walks up to the tree, and there is no fruit. Now, here's the thing about a fig tree. Fig trees would produce fruit before it would produce leaves. And so Jesus walks up anticipating that the tree has fruit because it has leaves. And he walks up, And finds out that there's no fruit. That the tree was a lie. That it was faking it. It was pretending to be something it wasn't. Kind of like us sometimes. Right? Like it's real easy to fake the Christian thing. To show up every Sunday. To be involved in everything under the sun. It's real easy to fake this thing. And in this particular story, Jesus curses the tree, and he says, you have no fruit. Faith without works is dead. And this is how we, our prayer life has become a lot like that for many of us. It's just become something we do, right? It's just something, it's a routine, it's just a part of what it means to be a Christian. And I think there's some of the silliest prayers that come out of that. I mean, think about it. I think some of the craziest prayers we pray are our food prayers, Dear Heavenly Father, I pray that you would take this double cheeseburger and make it a salad to my belly. (laughs) I know it always gives me an umption in my gumption, but I'm asking, oh divine Father, that you would make it like hummus to my bowels. (laughs) How silly. but we pray that sanctify this greasy cheeseburger to my body no (laughs) he's not gonna sanctify it to your body you know it's bad for you you know it's putting on extra pounds and you're asking god make this feed my body make it make me feel healthy no it's not gonna happen i think the other one i did this one the other day driving down the road like a like just like a speeding bullet Right, and I was on the way to go meet a pastor. So I each actually had like a righteous speeding, if there ever was a thing. I think I just became a heretic in that moment. Anyway, uh, and I literally went, God, please! Uh, I just asked that you would help me not to get a ticket. My wife and I are trying to be smart with our money, right? Protect my car, and I stopped myself like. This is the stupidest prayer I've ever prayed, right? Dear Lord Jesus, put a hedge of protection around my speeding car as I weave in and out of traffic. Would you just protect me, okay? And dear Lord Jesus, would you prevent, would you blind the police officers from doing their job? Please help them not to do their job so I can get to my meeting. Right? Silliness. And I think some of the most tragic prayers we pray or we say we'll pray is when people come up to us with pain and we say, I'll pray for you, and we never do. How often do we tell people we'll pray for them and we don't? That's convicting, isn't it? I feel the weight of that. Because it's wrong, it's a lie. You guys wrote down these names on a card last week of people that you desire to see come to know Christ and be engaged in this church. That you would dedicate to praying for them. Would you do that hillside? Would you not be like that tree who is fake who pretends that it has all this fruit but really is dead and withered and is a lie? That you would pray for those people that they would come. That when we meet people, that we would not make, <laughs> would we not make it a, a transitional thing. Like, I don't know how to get out of this. I don't know I have a good day. And just say, well, I'll pray for you. And then never do. Let's not be people who do that. And I think the reason why we get into this thing is because we're addicted to the temporary. We want things done now. And so when we talk about prayer, we want God to respond to us now. And God has an eternal plan for prayer because he's an eternal God. He views time on an eternal spectrum and we view it in, I want this now. And we cheapen prayer when we make it that way. And if God does not answer our prayers, we shake our fists to the heavens and we say, you aren't who you said you would be. You aren't good. And you aren't who you said you would be. And then for some of us, we just become apathetic. Well, there's another prayer that didn't get answered. Instead of believing that God has such a bigger plan for this thing, right, you have Paul, the Apostle Paul, in 2 Corinthians 12. And, 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 and Paul, he, um, he prays to God three times, please remove this thorn in my side. And God's answer to him is no. I mean, the Apostle Paul's like, been through a lot of stuff, like shipwrecked, thrown in prison. You would think that God would throw him a bone, right? Like, like, look, I've done a bunch of great stuff for you. I got this thorn in my side, right? Could you just get rid of it because I'm suffering for your kingdom? And God says, no. Because if I take that away, you will think you're strong. But in your weakness, I am strong. And the world needs you in a weak place, not in a strong place for the glory of God, and for the eternal view of the kingdom. But because we get so locked into the temporary, we miss this. And you see, Israel was hoping for a Messiah, praying for a Messiah, but you understand that Jesus wasn't the Messiah they wanted. Like, they wanted a Messiah that would come in and, and get rid of the Romans and reestablish them as the people of God. And the Messiah comes in, and he's born in a barn And he serves among the poor and lonely. And it says that he doesn't have a place to lay his head. And that's why they killed him. But here's the thing. They prayed for a Messiah and God gave them a Messiah in spite of the fact that it wasn't what they wanted. Because he is good. And if we're honest with ourselves, prayer is silly without the cross. It's silliness. What are we praying for? But in light of the cross, in light of God's dedication to us as his people, that he died for us, that we would pray that our prayers would reflect the power of the cross. That they're not these flippant things that when we pray, we realize that that cost Jesus his life, that we would have access, as Hebrews 4 says, before Almighty God, and that we would pray in light of that, that we would pray different than that. And what Jesus is doing is Jesus is showing his disciples through this miracle of judgment to show them what real faith looks like, to show them what real prayer is like. And I ask you this, let us not be fake. Fake things get burned and thrown away in scripture. And Jesus is setting the disciples up to say, I'm about to tell you and explain to you something so much more powerful, but let us not be fake. And in this moment for this church right now, I, I, I just think there are times when the Word of God is heavy upon our hearts that we need to pause and repent before we move forward in the Scriptures. So that's what we're going to do. For the next minute, some of you are going, like, yeah, I feel that. And, and I'm going to give you a time just to pray. Pray to God before we get into this next section, section of Scripture. Let's pray. Lord God, thank you that your mercies are new every morning. Thank you that you sympathize with our humanity, but I ask that you would give us the strength to be different, that we would not be a lie, that we would not be a fake, that we would be your people, that we would be a light unto the nations by the way we live our lives, by the way we pray, believing that prayer is powerful. We thank you that you are good. And we believe that you are who you say you are. Thank you for these dear people who desire to live hard after you. Amen. So verse 20, when the disciples saw it, they marveled, saying, how did the fig tree wither at once? I think it's a bizarre question. It's not like, why did you do that? (laughs) Right? It was, how did you do that? That was a pretty cool trick. That would be a cool party trick. Like, bam, tree dead. (laughs) Like that, right? Like, that's a bizarre question. They're saying, how did you do that? Jesus transitions And he says this, And Jesus answered them saying, Truly I say to you, if you have faith and do not doubt, a common theme that he is saying to the disciples over and over and over and over again. As he heads to the cross, he reiterates this idea that with faith, if you have faith and do not doubt, you will not only Uh, Do what has been done to this fig tree But even if you say to the mountain Be taken up and thrown into the sea It will happen And whenever you ask in prayer You will receive if you have faith And here's the reality What Jesus is saying Is we don't have a prayer problem What we have is a God problem We don't have a prayer problem Many of us just say, God teach me how to pray I need to pray more We don't have a prayer problem We have a God problem Because then I tell you, I sit next to my son as he's struggling. Like I look to God and go, are you who you say you are? Are you good? Like watching Aaron and Holly and the McCrays battle for three and a half years and highs and lows and are you good? Are you who you said you would be? Aaron and I were with this family this week. Their oldest son was killed in a car accident. The youngest son is in a hospital. The father re a semi. Families in shambles, broken. We don't have a prayer problem. We have a God problem. Do we believe that he is who he says he is? That he'll do what he says he'll do? Do we really believe that he loves us? And if we come to the conclusion that God is who he is, and that he loves us, then that changes everything. It propels us towards faith. In fact, Hebrews would say this, Hebrews 11.1 1 would say, now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. The word assurance there is like a rock, that he is our strong tower, that we stand firm upon who he is. And the idea in the word here, it says, now the faith is the assurance of things hoped for. The conviction, the word conviction here, I'll talk about in a sec, the conviction of things not seen. The idea of conviction is like a gun that shoots a bullet. You don't see the bullet, you just see the smoke come out. The smoke tells you that the bullet was fired and you believe that the bullet was fired through the smoke. That we would believe by what we've seen, that God really, truly is, who He says He is, and that would propel us in the way that we pray. So we don't pray these little lackluster prayers. We pray powerful prayers because we've seen God move. We've seen Him do powerful things. And that's why it's silly to treat it's silly to treat prayer like this genie in- the bottle thing, that you just make stuff happen for me. It dwindles an almighty God. It just makes him so small when we do that. But when we believe that he is who he says he is, it, we pray different. We think different. We start interceding for people because they're the most important. And we, we ask for God, we, hey, help me. But it's always in alliance with who you are, God Almighty. And so we come to this moment, and if we can really truly believe that faith really is true, and that we can walk in that, and God is who he says he is, and that he loves me. This changes everything. He literally says, listen, you, you're going to do crazier things than, than just this fig tree. You're going to move mountains. Can you imagine having your friends over, like you've been sharing the gospel with them, you know, just come over, and we're going to have a barbecue in the backyard, you know, sitting there. Hey, Bob and Holly, uh, it's been great getting to know you guys. I'd like to show you a little bit about who my God is. Mountain! Uh, slam dunk into the ocean! Right? It would make evangelism so much easier, wouldn't it? Your friends are like, Oh, how do you like them apples? How do you like that? That's how my God rolls! Right? Wouldn't that be great? And I, as a kid, like, that's how I imagined it. Like, me in the backyard, just, ah, in the ocean. Everyone's like, ah, cheering. But the reality is God really does work that way. He really does work that way. I mean, we had this guy, his name's Ravi. I, I, I'm a chairman of the board for this amazing ministry called Harvest India. We have 1,600 pastors all over uh, southern India. We have 1,300 orphans. We take care of leopards. It's an amazing ministry. And the guy who runs all our children's home, all the orphanages, over all the 1,300 kids got hit by a car. And they, they, they say he's going to die. This is like three months ago. So we're praying. I mean, he's got the orphans praying. He's got the whole ministry praying. Millions of people are are praying for this guy. And one month ago, he gets out of that bed by the power of God with no hope. No hope he's going to die. He gets out of that bed, and now he is serving those children once again as their parent because God is big and because he does great things. It's not always what we want, but God in that moment said, This man, I want him alive to serve these little children so they could change this country. I don't know if you know this, and you guys didn't walk necessarily with Aaron and Holly for the last three years. That little girl's a miracle. Like the fact that she's running around with my boys and playing and having fun yesterday and this morning, it's a miracle. She's, I think, the only one that has survived the type of cancer she had at this point. Like, doctors are going, I don't know, it's a miracle. I don't know what to do with it. She's in journals. I mean, she is a miracle. Millions of people praying for that little girl to make it through. And God responds because he is a powerful, loving, good God. And we pray in light of that, that he can do that, and he will do that. Because he's good, William Barclay's a commentator, and and he says this, as long as we regard prayer as an escape, nothing but bewilderment and disappointment can result. But when we regard it as the way to conquest and the divine dynamic, things will happen. When we make prayer this routine, just toss one up to the big guy kind of thing, it just dwindles the power of prayer and it shows us who we really believe God is. But when we refocus and come into light and conviction that God is God and that we are not, that when we pray, we align with his will, amazing things happen. Huge things happen because he's a big God and he's a good God, right? And so you might come to this moment and go, what does that mean for me? And Matthew nineteen twenty six would say this, that with God, nothing is impossible. Well, what if I struggle with depression? What if I struggle with depression? Let me, I'm here to tell you wonderful people of hillside that God, God is in the business of taking mountains and turning them into miracles. Like, so if you struggle with depression, guess what? So did Elijah and God met him there. I mean, Elijah here. He saw fire come down from heaven, and he finds himself just a few days later going, "I want my, I want to be dead." And God comes to him in that moment and rescues him out of that depression. Some of you are dealing with sickness. Well, well, will God heal my sickness? We see him. We see Jesus going to the leper and placing his hands upon them, and they are healed. We see him touch a man named Ravi. And bring him back to life. We see him touch a little girl named Kate McRae. And she walks. And she talks. And she lives. He heals sickness. What about pain? I mean, so much pain. I remember sitting next to Cooper's bed as they pumped that poison in his body the first month. I remember weeping and go, how do I even do this? And God met me in that pain. And he says, I will be with you always. It didn't make the pain, like, disappear, but I knew he was there with me. And would walk with me. And that he loved me. And that's why it says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because you are with me in my pain. Well, what if I don't believe? What if I struggle with that he really is good and that, that he, he really is loving? God will meet you in your unbelief. We see this story in the, in the Gospels where this father comes with his, his sick son and, and, and says, Would you heal him? He says, I believe, but help me with my unbelief. And the coolest part about that story is God heals his son. He doesn't wait for the man, Well, I'm just going to wait till you believe. Once you get all the way up there, I'm gonna. Then I'll heal your son. No, he heals his son completely. He heals his son. Maybe you've suffered loss. God will meet you in that moment. He meets you there. You say, "Well, what about walls? What about all these walls that I have in my life? Look at Jericho. He tore those babies down from a bunch of guys parading around the wall. Pop, 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 and the walls came down." Because he's a big God who does big things. Because he loves us and he's good. Okay, well, what about bondage? Like, I have all this bondage in my life. Look at Israel. And he died for Israel. And he died for us to rescue us out of our bondage so that we could be free and live in light of his great grace in our lives. But what about addiction? I have addiction in my life. Look at Zacchaeus, a little man in a tree who's addicted to money. And Jesus says... I want to come hang out of your pad. And through the, through the interaction with the divine, Zacchaeus goes, man, I've got to get free of this addiction. i got to fall hard after Jesus Christ. He'll meet you. And the greatest truth that you can walk away with today is this. When you can't pray, he prays for you. Oh, can I tell you how many times I just couldn't pray. I didn't know what to pray. And he prays for me. It says, as a result of the cross, as a result of death, Jesus' death on the cross, that he intercedes on our behalf before God Almighty when we don't know what to pray. Why? Because he's good. Because he's good and he's loving. That's why he sent Jesus. And I would ask at this church, that if we're going to pray like Jesus prayed, that that wouldn't be some fake, flippant thing. But that we wouldn't cheapen the cross by how we do that, but we would really believe that you can change Rancho, that you can pray for that, and that this church could be a part of something radical in this town, that on your Easter service, that all those names that you've collected, that those people would come to know Christ, that we would pack this place out, not for Aaron's glory, but for the glory of God, and that Hillside, Hillside will be a part of changing this community in a really radical way because they believe that power, the power of prayer, that God can do things. And as a result of that, then we can start changing California. Let's go after California. Wouldn't that be great? Hey, and while we're in that business, why don't we just go change the world? Like that's a radical God-sized thing. And we all sit back and we dwindle, but we say we serve a mighty and a holy God who rescued and ransomed all of humanity once and for all and that we would pray in light of that reality. So is this a pep talk? Heck, yes it is. Church, let's pray like Jesus prayed. Let's believe that he is going to hear us. Why? Because he loves us. And because he is who he said he would be. I believe that even as I watch my son suffer through this leukemia, and we've got another two and a half years to go before we even get any word of remission. But I believe God is good, and I believe he has an eternal plan that's so much bigger than my temporal desires. Because he is good, and he loves me. And he loves my boy. He loves my family. He loves you. And I believe that he is who he says he is. And I want to start praying like that. I want to start praying and believing that he is. Because what's my other option? Because I can just tell you, doing those fake little prayers have robbed my soul. It's just robbed my soul. And the power to believe when I look at Kate McRae in the eyes and she smiles and gives that little belly laugh, oh, it blows my mind. That's the God I serve. That's the God I serve. Let's go after it, church. Let's go hard after it. Let's pray. God, we know through your word that you pray for us. You intercede on our behalf. And there are many people here this morning that aren't sure how to work through this and deal with this. And I ask that you would go before God Almighty as a result of what happened on the cross on their behalf. Pray for them. Intercede for them. Pray that this would be a church that would really believe that you are good and that you're a great God. And they would go after that. God, that you would call us out of our apathy. That you would call us out of the mundane and show us the divine. God, we desire at this church and for this community for you to be glorified and lifted high. We believe when that happens, people will come to know you. God, that we would not get wrapped up into the affairs of this life, but remember that there is a reality and there is a heaven, and that we get to go hang out there with you, and we look forward to that. But while we're here, we desire nothing more than to see the realities of heaven come into this place. That we believe, that we believe you could use us in a powerful way for your glory and your honor through the blood of Jesus Christ and the resurrection from the dead, that you could use us in that way. We ask that you would do that as we are obediently following after you and doing our best to love you. In your great name we pray and the church said amen.